You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Hour number two on a Writer Than You get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Billy Ryder's out. You got me, Jody Mac, filling in. Uh, got a good hour yet to come. And we're going to start it in a college football mode. We just talked about the changing landscape of television contracts and NIL and conference jumping and the like. Going to get a little bit more grounded here and talk about a guy who's going to be on the field playing this year and a guy who I actually think is sitting on a very good uh, junior season. The starting quarterback for the Stanford Cardinal, Tanner McKee, joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. Tanner, Jody Mack here. How's your summer going? It's going great. Doing a lot of things. We're in the middle of fall camp right now, getting ready for the season. I just finished up an internship a couple weeks ago. Things are going great. Very nice. Where was your internship? So I was actually doing an internship on a private equity firm called Altamont nearby here in Palo Alto, and it was it was a great experience for me. I loved it. Very nice. All right. Speaking of a great experience, uh, I do want to take you out to the field and talk about your upcoming season. But prior to you come out of high school, uh, All-American, choices as to where you're going to go to college, eventually uh, uh, accept a uh, scholarship at Stanford. But before you enroll, you went on a two-year mission with the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. How tough a decision was that to put football aside to go on the mission that you did? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Um, When you serve a mission, you have no idea where you're going to go, so... Um, I ended up going to Brazil. It was amazing. Loved my experience, but obviously football was very limited down there. Um, people didn't really have a concept of American football. It was all soccer. So, um, it it was definitely hard for those two years. Got, got out of shape, but honestly, in the long run, missing football for two years, when I came back, I was, I was really hungry to, to grind and to play football again, to get back in the weight room and things like that. So overall, it, it was motivating for me. And, and before the decision, I feel like I always planned on serving a mission. So I try to let coaches know in advance um, that I was going to serve. And it's always been a lifelong goal for me. So um, that was already always part of the plan. And, of course, football made it hard. But Coach Shaw was very supportive, and he, and he was great about it. That is great news, and I'm glad that the mission, uh, you achieved what you wanted to and got out of the mission what you wanted, it sounds like, except football work. So did you play soccer while you were down there in Brazil? What did you do if there weren't football options out there to you to keep your skills in uh, tip-top shape? What did you do to keep your at least yourself athletically in shape? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So every morning we would have – we could wake up at 6.30 and do a light workout. Um, we didn't really have gyms where I was, so it was a lot. I brought a ton of bands did a lot of body work as far as like push-ups, pull-ups, things like that. Um, depending on the area that I was in, sometimes I would try to throw a football, but it, it was pretty tough having no receivers or even people with the concept of, of how to throw a football, how to play catch. Um, so just, just kind of trying to keep my arm in shape. Um, obviously got a little bit out of shape, but when I came back, I feel like everything was able to get back smoothly, back into shape. All right, so uh, freshman year, you didn't uh, play a whole heck of a lot. Last year, starting quarterback position, kind of up to for grabs. You didn't start week one, but went in and played well and then grabbed the starting job thereafter, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, Moving from your freshman year to your sophomore year, um, getting back into the flow of football after, as you uh, have detailed for us, the two years you played away, 
What was it that got you back to the level that you were at when you were at high school for your sophomore year last year at Stanford? Yeah, I think it was just repetition. Um, anytime you go to, to a big school, you're going to have to compete. Um, I knew that coming into it. I knew when I was going to go on my mission, when I came back, I was going to have to compete for the job. Nobody was giving out handouts anywhere. Um, and so came back, just kind of set my mind to it. Um, like I said before, I was hungry to get back in the film room, get back in the weight room, get on the field with the guys again, because it's been so long since I was able to play football. So I really missed it and it was able to compete. And, and that's why we play to compete with each other. So, um, overall it was a great experience for me. All right. Uh, I do want to ask about last year. Uh, you guys got out to a three and two start, including an upset win over Oregon in overtime, uh, and it looked like the season could turn into a good one for you, and then you guys lost six straight games. What happened? Uh, I, th- I think for us the biggest thing would be consistency. We, we kept showing uh, bright sparks of the team that we could be, um, and then due to mental mistakes, injuries, things like that, we just weren't as consistent as we wanted to be. So this year that was a big focus for us. Um, consistency, doing the little things right, um, and just marching down the field, not getting complacent with any games, and really putting teams away when we're ahead in the second, third, and fourth quarter. All right, for the Stanford fans out there, other than I'm telling them this kid McKee's going to be a heck of a quarterback here this year, uh, uh, besides my evaluation of your game, give us a reason why Stanford is going to be better and a legit Pac-12 contender this year. Um, I'm just excited. We're having everybody back. Uh, we have a very experienced team with a ton of talent. Um, I mean, just on the offensive side, we're getting all our O-line back, um, at receivers. We never, we never played a game where we had all of our, all our starting receivers, um, healthy at the same time. They're all healthy now. We've had a great off season, kind of that off season with a chip on your shoulder. Like you have something to prove. Um, our slogan during the off season has been entitled to nothing. We're going to have to earn everything. Um, so I really feel like these guys are are hungry, playing with the chip on our shoulder, and ready to prove a lot of people wrong and uh, compete for our, a Pac-12 title. I want to get to that chip on your shoulder thing with a couple of Pac-12 teams deciding in the future they're no longer going to beat Pac-12 teams. But before I go there, uh, I'm a fan of yours maybe even bigger fan of your coach, David Shaw. Uh, I've suggested, oh, basically for about a decade, that David Shaw is going to move on. Somebody's going to come in a bigger program, an NFL team. Somebody's going to get David Shaw out of Stanford, and it's never happened. How much does that motivate you guys to know that you've got one of the most respected coaches in the country and a guy who has stuck it out and stayed at Stanford because he loves the program and uh, the job that he has? How much does that play on a day-in, day-out basis with the team? Well, it, it, it's huge. Coach Shaw is a guy of character, a guy of loyalty, um, especially for me in the recruiting process, knowing I was going to go on a mission for two years, knowing that so many coaches were going to be on different teams. And it's, it was actually kind of funny going to Pac-12 Media Day and seeing all these coaches in different polos than when they were recruiting me back in 2018 <laughs> or 2017 even. Uh, but Coach Shaw is still – here at Stanford doing his thing and like you said one of the most respected coaches in college football so um, playing under him has really been uh, a blessing for me just how he knows the game how respected his opinion is in the NFL um, and just his character off the field I I feel like is is unmatched he's really a coach um, that helps us prepare for things on the field but 
he realizes that there's so much other things in life and so many other important aspects of life that we need to balance as well. Yeah, and oh, by the way, I, I punched you up on Twitter, and here's the quote from David Shaw. I was going to ask you these things, but David Shaw, your coach has already asked you these things, so I'm going to ask you to repeat them as well. Uh, you can be dedicated to your team, be dedicated to your development as a quarterback, and still find time to cultivate the person you want to be away from football. Here are two questions for you. How would you describe yourself to someone without talking about football and if football was taken away from me today, what would I do to fill my day? Well, I know you had a good internship. You already told us that. But above and beyond that, what would you say to someone if you were just shooting the breeze about something other than football? What do you think the first conversation would be about? Uh, I feel like for me personally, I feel like I've been given a lot. Um, I'm, I'm very religious, um, and I feel like I can uh, help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I feel like I've been blessed, obviously, athletically. Um, but with a great family, with great friends, I'm here at Stanford with such a great network. I feel like I can really help a lot of people on, on different paths. I feel like that was one of the reasons where, that I decided to serve a mission to kind of help other people that were less fortunate. Every opportunity um, that Stanford has, which they've been great with, um, giving back to the community, doing community service, reading to local elementary schools has really been great. Um, and, and so that, was, that would probably be my answer for that. Your faith and your work that you've done is applaudable. Uh, your internships sound like fun, and you got some valuable experience. But is Tanner McKee an NFL quarterback in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's definitely something that I focused on um, the last the last little bit. Always in the back of my mind, I'm going to focus on the present. Um, and, and this year it's definitely something that, uh, that I'm striving for, um, had a good conversation with coach Shaw about it. Um, right now I'm focusing on Stanford football, college football, everything right now, but, um, in the future, that's definitely a dream aspiration. I'm definitely trying to compare myself to those who are already in the NFL and their game and, um, trying to match myself to be at that level or, or even better. Interesting. What? pro quarterback either in the NFL now or maybe one that's already come and gone and had the career that he had is there one that kind of jumps out to you and says yeah that's what my game is like I can be like that maybe I need to improve a little to get to his level is there a guy you compare yourself with um first thing that comes to mind is probably two people um when I was in high school I had the opportunity to throw with Drew Brees um obviously he's an incredible quarterback an incredible person off the field um, but something I can take away from him is when we went to go train, when he stepped on the field for training, it was, it was time to train. There were no jokes. He was, he was acting like he was about to prepare to play the Super Bowl. Very serious, so detailed in, in everything that he did. And once the workout was over, he was the nicest guy, cracking jokes, saying hi to everybody. And so I feel like that mentality of how to approach practice really stuck with me. Um, that I've tried to carry on into my game. And then another guy that I was thinking of is Peyton Manning, um, the way that he approaches the game um, mentally with his film study. Um, I mean, there's so many things written on him of how worried he was that he wasn't going to be prepared mentally or in the film room for games. And so he over-prepared, and he was so ready for each game. And so I feel like those two guys have been two guys that I've watched growing up ever since I was a little kid, and I really try to emulate my game after them. Uh, two guys uh, you should be quite happy with if your uh, game does in any way, shape, or form compared to, the, you, uh, to yours. I'd say you're a little more Peyton than Breeze for one reason, one reason only. 
six foot six, two thirty-five. Drew Brees was never six foot six, two thirty-five. You are at least off the uh, games that I watched you play last year. More of a prototypic pocket pocket quarterback. Uh, a lot of college quarterbacks are uh, guys who can pull it down and take off, make 45, 50-yard running plays. That's not your ballywick. That's not the strength of your, your game. What are you uh, going to do as a team this year? What has Coach got uh, planned for you that you're going to be able to tap into your strengths, which to me is uh, pocket awareness, smarts, and a pretty damn good howitzer attached to your right-hand arm. Uh, how's it going to work in the Stanford offense this year? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to run our offense that, that we always have um, with a pro-style offense. It's It's been great. I feel like it's going to be a lateral movement from here to, to the NFL. You've seen Davis Mills um, make the lateral movement. He, uh, he could step into the NFL and play and be successful very quickly. So I feel like that's super important. Uh, but with the weapons we have, we're really going to – air out the ball that I'm, I'm super excited for. Um, I feel like that um, we can play to our strengths a little bit with the weapons that we have um, and then play to my strengths as well as a quarterback. All right. Uh, I am a wonk of a college football fan and uh, probably an over uh, – converted scout to watching guys play on the collegiate level and then be able to step up the NFL in a position I check out and have opinions on more than any as quarterback. And you opened my eyes last year. So I follow everybody else's as well, check everybody else's grades and the like. I've seen some that have considered you a top five quarterback in college football this year and other lists where you're not even in the top 25. I question those, but it's, I go, well, where's Santa McKee? McKee's not in the top 20. He's not in the top 25. What the hell are they doing? Um, do you follow any of this stuff? Do you know this stuff other than me telling you right here, right now? Do you know how you are observed by others as to where you fall in line into other college football uh, quarterbacks going into the 2022 season? Uh, I mean, I, I try not to pay attention too much to it. I obviously have guys come up to me and tell me that, oh, so-and-so put you here, so-and-so put you here in the draft or anything like that. But um, honestly, they're all opinions for, for different people, and um, I'm, I'm just going to focus on, on my game and let the, the rest take care of it. So uh, right now I'm focused on college football and perfecting my game and playing to the best of my ability, and everything else will take care of itself. Good for you on both fronts. All right, uh, we did just uh, quickly touch on this earlier. Now i got to get your real take for it. Open up against Colgate on the 3rd of September and then game two at home against USC. Great natural rival. I know you know what USC is in the landscape of college football historically, but in the present-day landscape, they're taking off. They're getting out. They're absconding from the Pac-12. You mentioned that you were at Pac-12 Media Day as a player, but I'm sure you observed everything else and heard everybody else's question. How much extra motivation for your games against USC early and UCLA a little bit later as a Cali kid watching two major programs jump ship to go to the Big Ten? Uh, no, no extra speeches needed from Coach Shaw this year? What are those two games going to be like? I mean... We, we, we want to beat USC and UCLA every year. Obviously, growing up in Southern California, um, playing them is, is kind of like playing my rival. I feel like I know 80% of that of those teams. Um, and, and so we're, we're prepared. We're ready. We're very excited um, to play both of those teams. I mean, last year we went into the Coliseum and just walking into the Coliseum, looking around, I feel like I've been to so many games there. 
Um, and, and so it was really kind of surreal for me to realize that now I was going out my first start to play USC that I've come to watch so many times growing up as a kid. So um, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's obviously a ton of motivation. There's um, a ton of hype around USC right now. And so uh, we're very excited and up to, up to the challenge to uh, shut that down week two. All right. Uh, I have used this phrase. I've heard others use, use it before, so it wasn't like it was my original. I just copied it. That Stanford is like an Ivy League school on the West Coast, with all the Ivy League schools being here on the East Coast, West Coast. Well, who's the best of West Coast? Stanford academically as good as it gets on the West Coast. How tough is your classwork in Stanford these days? Um, yeah, I think it kind of depends on your major. I'm studying economics right now, which is, which is pretty challenging. Um, a lot of math involved. I, I took like a, it was a little bit of economics mixed with statistics last quarter. That was pretty tough. Um, during the season, we don't take a ton of units just because of how focused we're going to be on season. And then in the winter and the spring is really when you pile up your, your class schedule. So Honestly, as long as you're smart about it and you kind of plan ahead, um, it, it, it's very bearable. You you don't have time to really slack on anything, um, but I, I would definitely say it's it's bearable. All right, last uh, football question: Who's the best player you ever played against? Be it on the high school level, I don't know who you played against high school. Maybe you played a guy who's already in the NFL, or the collegiate level, or at practice that maybe there's a teammate you want to put up there on a pedestal. Some guys have already graduated to the NFL, rookies this year, uh, Thibodeau uh, making uh, as high as he did to the first round. Who's the best player that Tanner McKee has ever played against? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, honestly, the first couple of guys that come to mind um, would probably be our secondary this year, um, oh. we're super stacked with Caillou Blue Kelly, Jonathan McGill, um, Pat Fields. Those guys are are honestly really amazing how they can anticipate routes, how they work together, how they disguise defenses. Um, so I would say from a day-in and day-out perspective, how hard they work and how hard it is to get completions on those guys, I, I would probably put up those guys over anybody. Well, if Coach Shaw is listening, he's going to love the fact that you went to your teammates to say the best player you've ever played against. Good for good for them and good for you on doing it. All right, what kind of season is Tanner McKee? Do you set any goals for yourself? Are they numerical? Are they success of the team? At the end of the year when it's over and done with and you've got to make a decision whether you're going to make yourself eligible for the NFL draft, what are you basing success for yourself on this year on? Yeah, I mean, I think we try not to make numerical goals. Um, honestly, every time we touch the football, we want to put it into the end zone and we want to win every game. Um, I, I feel like that's a, a great goal, very attainable for the team and for us. Um, it's specific to the offense, and I, I think it's very realistic with the weapons that we have, with um, how knowledgeable we are of the offense, how experienced we are at O-line, receiver, um, I'm very excited and very optimistic for this season. And, and honestly, we're, we're just ready to play football. We're kind of getting towards the end of camp. Um, things are, guys are just ready uh, to, to play some football. And so I, I, can't really, I really can't wait. 
It's only a couple of weeks away. Tanner, get after it. We appreciate you hopping on board with us today. Best of luck on a great season. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Tanner McKee, starting quarterback for the Stanford Cardinal. Well-grounded kid and a good teammate. My teammates are the best players I've ever played against. I'm not sure that that's actually the case, but I asked him, so he's got to give me his opinion. Uh, I guarantee you the coach loved the answer that he gave. But he gave us some real great answers, and he seems like the kind of kid who's uh, ready and set for a big upcoming season. I like his arm. He's got a he's got an NFL arm. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be a quarterback on the next level. All right, Jody Mack coming back, filling in for Bill Ryder today here on Ryder Than You. Uh, we'll come back, we'll do a little buy or sell. In case you didn't pick up on it, I'm buying on Tanner McKee. Uh, Tommy D will put me to the test on some other topics in sports here on a Thursday on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Jody Mack in for Billy R here on CBS Sports Radio on the Writer Than You show. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit both your budget and your family? Rocket can. All right. Uh, I'm rocketing back to the studio to the MC of this fine segment. We like to call it buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Jody, what do you say we start off today by following up on something we discussed yesterday? How Mm -hmm. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers called out his young wide receivers for drop passes and bad route running earlier this week. Now, our follow-up. Rodgers held a meeting with those same receivers in front of the offensive coaching staff and backup quarterbacks yesterday, and it was reportedly an uplifting meeting, positive in nature and taken very well by the wide receivers. Buy or sell that Aaron Rodgers needed to clear the air with Green Bay's wide receivers. Ooh, interesting. Um, The only one who can answer the question is is Rodgers himself. Uh... No, I'll just say, maybe I'm looking at this through Packer-colored glasses, but no, Rodgers is the leader of that team. He has been. I know every once in a while he'll do something, say something that is top of the diva list, but uh, sorry if the Packers are going anywhere and they go to 12 or 13 wins almost every single year, but then in the playoffs, too. It's all on Aaron Rodgers' plate. So if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the leader and be the man of the Green Bay Packers, which he has been and he better be again this year, yeah, both the constructive criticism and a little pat on the back is something that is necessary. So I'll I'll say sell that he felt he needed to do it. He did it because he's the man. All right, let's get to some college football here. Jim Harbaugh is coming off his best season in Ann Arbor. Michigan reached the college football playoff before losing to Georgia in the Orange Bowl last year. Now, quarterbacks J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara both took significant snaps under center last season, and Harbaugh is willing to do the same this year, saying he's in absolutely no rush to name a starting quarterback. Buy or sell Michigan succeeding again with a two-quarterback system. Oh, I'll buy. Yeah, they did it last year. Why Bye. would they not be able to do it this year? Um, both guys are good. If one of them takes a massive step up and is significantly better than the other one, I think Harbaugh will be ready, willing, and able to go to that one guy. But I think to this point he's played it exactly right. They, they looked even to me last year. And if they're even again, 
Uh, it just may work for it worked enough last year to make it to the college football playoffs. If he goes back two years in a row, I think the coach will be just fine. So I'm with Harbaugh on this one. Now, Jody, you discussed to start the show today. The Lakers made big news or maybe not so big news because it was expected by LeBron James's two-year extension. But that wasn't the only news the Lakers made yesterday. It was announced that they would retire Pau Gasol's number 16 jersey to the rafters. Now, Gasol spent six-plus seasons in Los Angeles, winning two championships in 2009 and 2010. Gasol was a three-time All-Star during his Laker tenure and averaged 18 points and 10 rebounds while wearing purple and gold. Buy or sell that Pau Gasol deserves to have his jersey retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. Wow. I didn't even know you were going here today. See, uh, Tommy D sends me the buy or sell topics before the show ever comes on. I never look at them because I want to be surprised when he answers, asks me the question so I can just give you off-the-top-of-the-head answers. I've got a strong opinion on this one. I think all professional sports teams are too liberal with retiring numbers. I think you need to be an unquestioned all-time guy. Hall of Fame plus for me. This is just me for a team to retire a guy's number. And you can do the unofficial retiring thing where you don't retire it, but you tell the uh, equipment manager you never give that number out until you get the clearance from the bosses. And I'd never give it to any rookie. First pick in the NBA draft. First pick in any draft. I wouldn't give him the number. No, you have to earn it. If you bring in an unbelievably great free agent and they say, listen, I'm only coming here if you give me that number. Oh, okay, then maybe we take a quasi-retired number out of storage. But I think way too many teams are too liberal at retiring numbers, and Paul Gasol would definitely fall into that category. So if your question was, are they wrong to do so, I'm buying. Bye. All right, Jody, let's get to some baseball here. And I have to admit, I've been waiting all show to ask you this very question. Nice. Now, Cincinnati Reds first baseman Joey Votto will have season-ending surgery on his shoulder. The 38-year-old Votto has struggled this season, hitting just 205 with 41 runs batted in. However, for his career, Votto has over 2,000 hits, 342 homers, and on-base percentage for his career, well over 400 and he's a career 297 hitter. Buy or sell that Joey Votto should get Hall of Fame consideration when he retires? Good choice of words, consideration. The answer is yes. He Bye. gets consideration. If, I, if you're asking me to predict Joey Votto's Hall of Fame status when he retires, five years later he's on the ballot, I think he's the kind of guy who sticks around for all ten years. So it'll come down to that last year. Will he get that last chance? We got to put him in or not. He'll be a borderline type guy. If it were me, I say borderline out rather than borderline in. But I think he's on the ballot all 10 years. And in the final year, there will be some really good debate as to whether he's going to get the nod or not. Quickie Joey Votto aside, you know I'm a Philly guy, so I watch Phillies and the Reds. They were playing this week. The other night, Joey Votto made four outs on four pitches. He came up four times and swung at the first pitch every single time and made an out every single time. I said, there's just something not right with this guy. Because you're right. He's one of the things he does best is he knows how to work a pitcher. He's one of the best at drawing walks. He swung at the first pitch four straight times. 
day later, he said, oh, shoot, I got to get surgery on my shoulder. I can't play anymore. I was not surprised when an announcement was made, having watched the game from the night before. All right, Jody, we could squeeze in one last baseball one here. The Texas Rangers are on the verge of finishing their sixth consecutive season under 500. They're currently 52 and 65. Now, their struggles this season have led to wholesale changes. Manager Chris Woodward was fired earlier this week, and yesterday, President of Baseball Operations John Daniels was fired. Daniels had been with the organization for 17 years. Buy or sell the timing of Chris Woodward and John Daniels being fired. I think that it's almost uh, funny. And and I'm not suggesting that, you, that it, well, either of these guys stink, but they paid two middle infielders hundreds of millions of dollars to come in and turn the franchise around and Simeon and Seager, and neither one of them really lived. Seager's had a good year, but not a great year. Simeon's had a very disappointing year. That's what happens. If you're going to get aggressive, and Texas did, if you're a fan, you got to love that when your team spends big bucks and says, we're in this thing. But then if it doesn't come through, oh, yeah, you're putting your job on the line. And it costs the job, uh, both the general manager and the manager. That's the way of baseball. That's the way of all sports, basically. That'll do it for Buy or Sell. Good uh, group of questions by Tommy D. Always does. Uh, appreciate him. Hopefully, uh, you've got an opinion on any of the, one of the Buy or Sell questions. If you just heard him, you wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about, Jody? You can get on my phones. I still got 20 minutes left. I'll go back to the phones, or I'll go to the phones for the first time. 855-212-4227. You Stanford fans, do you believe in Tanner McKee? I guess the way I do. Yeah, I like the kid. I think he's going to be drafted in the NFL draft. I think he's got a chance to be here. It's Stroud. It's uh, Young from Alabama. And then there's a drop-off. And Tanner McKee, for me, is in that next group. If you want to talk college quarterbacks, we can do that, too. 855-212-4227. Get aboard here on Rider Than You on CBS Sports Radio. Here with the latest CBS Sports Update is the big guy, Peter Schwartz. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Coming down the home stretch of a Writer Than You episode here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack at the wheel today. Uh, you get your boy Billy R. back uh, next week. Last couple of minutes, if I get in a call or two, I would love it. Jeff from Rochester, hang now. I'll get you in just a second. Anybody else wants to jump aboard, 855-212-4227. But we have, now this is legit. We talked about it yesterday. It's so funny. You're doing a show, and you look back at what did or didn't happen for the first hour and change of the show. Um, I, I bemoaned breaking news. What is or isn't breaking news? The NBA releasing its schedule. Not breaking news. LeBron James signing a contract extension. He had not really breaking news. Everybody expected it. So, uh, And I gave you breaking news that Chad Brown, in the world of horse racing, was arrested for obstructed breathing. He tried to choke somebody out. That's truly breaking news. And this is potential breaking news. And again, back to the first hour of the show. Much like every show I've done in the last week or so, on my notes right there, why don't we know what the Sean Watson situation is? How are the Browns supposed to prep for the season? Why is it taking so long? It took Sue Robinson as long as it did. Now it's taking the designee that Roger Goodell put in place so long to decide. I've been complaining about it for a week, borderline whining and moaning, as a matter of fact. And I didn't do it today. Only because I didn't get to it. Not because I, I had any prescient knowledge ahead of time. But apparently something will be announced today. 
on uh, Pro Football Talk with uh, Mike Florio on his website. Uh, the scramble began when Miles Simmons texted a tweet that the Browns had delayed their media availability for Thursday. And, oh, by the way, I know that the Browns are going to be having a uh, joint practice with the Eagles today because I do an Eagles show every single day. So I know it's a, uh, a pretty big day for the Browns and the Eagles. Here's what we learned per a source with knowledge of the ongoing Deshaun Watson situation. There will be news today. The news will either be a settlement or a final decision from appeals officer Peter Harvey. Uh, Florio's guess is that the NFL and the NFLPA have struck a deal on a suspension that will probably be less than a year, parentheses, maybe 12 games, and a fine of less than $5 million. Judge Sue Robinson imposed a six-game suspension on watching 17 days ago. Fifteen days ago, the NFL appealed, hoping to get a more lengthy suspension. Watson, per the Associated Press, was willing to accept an eight-game suspension and pay as much as a $5 million fine. Either way, stay tuned for more details. So Florio's speculation is 12 games and a fine. The, the, The fine doesn't really move me one way or the other. They hit him what they can hit him. They hit him what they think he should be hit. Um, the $230 million guarantee that he's got from the Cleveland Browns make whatever the fine will be. And, again, pure speculation on my part. Uh, whatever he paid in the settled uh, lawsuits that he had, I'll go above and beyond a drop in the bucket because we're talking about millions of dollars here. But looking at the big picture that he's got $230 million guaranteed coming his way, Sons, what he's going to lose this year by being suspended, which we all know by now, the Browns structured the contract, so he's not going to get hit all that bad. It's all in signing bonus money, so the NFL can't touch that. Um, The games that he was going to miss were the much more important thing for me. 12 games, I'm okay with. And again, I'm sitting now, I'm I'm making myself Roger Goodell and or anyone who was tasked to join in on the decision-making process. It needed to be more than six. If it were a year, I would say that was harsh but not unreasonable. Twelve games is almost three-quarters of a season, which is a pretty damn big number. Now it makes it interesting as to see how it plays with the Browns all year. Jacoby Brissett is the man. He's going to take over. He's going to be their starting quarterback. I know there's speculation they could trade for Jimmy G if they think they're going to really be that good and can win that division this year. Uh, I don't think they're making a play for Jimmy G. Just me. Uh, I think they'll go as far as Jacoby Brissett can take them for the first 12 games and then Deshaun Watson, if the number is correct, again, this is speculation for Florio, uh, could come back for the final five games of the season. Is that going to be enough? Will he be able to hit the ground running and play to a Deshaun Watson-type level for the last five games? That's all to be determined. But uh, at least I didn't get on the uh, air here today and, as I have every day for a week, basically, complained about the fact that the NFL and the NFLPA are dragging their feet on this. It should be settled. We should know what kind of punishment Deshaun Watson is looking at. I think it needed to be 12 games. Part of why you have these procedures and you call a guy on the carpet for abhorrent behavior is as a deterrent for future guys that someone's not going to do something, the same thing, or something similar and the like. The punishment needs to be stiff. And 12 games, I think, is a a good middle-of-the-road punishment. There'll be some people who say too much. Some people will say not uh, too little. 
Am I good with 12 games? Yeah, I am. Uh, if, if they, and I didn't think they were going to, I thought this was going to go on and there was going to be a lawsuit and take them to federal court again. So if they came to an agreement, uh, that's a good thing for the National Football League. Uh, Jeff from Rochester, good enough to check in on the phones. Jeff, you're up on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack, thanks for taking my call, buddy. You got Listen, it, bud. Before the break, you were talking about retiring numbers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And right off the gate, I'll admit I'm a Pirates fan. So not too many people would admit that, but I will. And as such, I know I'm biased, but we're decades past. You know, the ship has sailed decades ago. But should not be retired in MLB, who is who is a better human being, forget baseball player, than Roberto Clemente? I mean, he was an ambassador of the game. It just I, I'm floored that 21 is is not retired in baseball. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Jeff, I uh, th- first of all, I thank you for calling in. Good luck with your Pirates going forward. You're a good, patient man if you're still a Pirate fan who goes back to the Roberto Clemente days because uh, when Roberto was playing and the Pirates shortly thereafter, Willie Stargell and like we are family, at one point they were year in, year out, one of the teams you absolutely believe could make it to a World Series. Those years have been few and far between since, and that's a lot. of That's decades that we're talking about. Um if there were to be a player whose number needs to be retired across the board in their sport, Jackie Robinson's was for Major League Baseball, and rightfully so in my mind for everything that Jackie did. Uh, he had to put up with and to change the game and, and make societal advancements as well. I thought Major League Baseball did the right thing when they did that for Jackie Robinson. If you say, all right, who's next? There has to be a second player chosen because we're going to do that again. Roberto Clemente is probably at the top of my list. He is probably the next individual that I would suggest Major League Baseball do the same for. Uh, You go all the way back to Babe Ruth, but that's now 100 years ago. Um, Mickey uh, Mickey Mays and, and Willie Mays are two of the greatest players of all times. Actually, in my estimation, better players than Roberto Clemente. Not not by much, but better players. So you're basing it on more than just their ability to play the game between the lines. You're right, Clemente um, was uh, not only a phenomenal player, but a great uh, person and human being. All right, I'm the Grinch that stole baseball. Much like I said with teams, I kind of have the same sentiment about uh, leagues retiring numbers it has to be so uber special over the top and i'm giving you the nod that clemente is the very next one he's the guy i would do if they said you have to retire another number and you could put 21 away for every single baseball team but i'm kind of hard on this i guess i'm harsh on this Uh, No, I I would not do it. Uh, Not that Roberto doesn't deserve the consideration. And if it happens, you're not going to hear me come on CBS Sports Radio or anywhere else and go, what the hell is Major League Baseball thinking? No, I'll just say if I were the commissioner, I might not have gone there. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a tough guy when it comes to that. So I probably would not uh, sign off on that. But it doesn't make Roberto Clemente's accomplishments as a player, as an individual, as a member of society, any less. It's just it it doesn't rise to the level that I think it needs to rise to 
probably a uh, harsh statement on my point, but uh, that's why you asked. That's why you called. You wanted to get my opinion, and he's just a little bit uh, short of it. All right, should be an interesting day today. Um, yours truly is on again tomorrow here on CBS Sports Radio, but not in this time slot. Uh, I'm going to fill in for Zach Gelb on his show on what will turn into a football Friday tomorrow for sure, and it will be very interesting to see how the Deshaun Watson situation plays out. He can still practice, I guess. Well, it depends on what type of a suspension it is. Uh, as I said, the Browns and Eagles this afternoon are having a joint practice. And that has become a staple in the National Football League team. All teams do it. You go into town early if you're the visiting team for a weekend preseason game. You get a couple of practices in at a time. Get to work on some very specific things. Coaches seem to be more liberal to using star players in these controlled practices than they are in actual preseason games. So because of the decision going down on Deshaun Watson, should be very interesting to see how that uh, practice goes tomorrow. And it'll be something I'm talking about on my Eagles YouTube show, uh, Birds 365, tomorrow. I can guarantee you that. Um, but it's leading into an entire weekend of NFL preseason, which you'll get a little bit of a uh, better read on what your team is for this upcoming season. Uh, we got some good baseball action tonight, the last game of the Mets-Braves series, which the Mets finally got a win against the Braves after being beat down the first couple of nights. Uh, that That's something I'll have my eye on tonight and ready to talk about on the Zach Gelb show tomorrow. And I do want to thank Tanner McKee. Um, if you're a Stanford fan, you're listening to me on the West Coast, I think you can have a decent season. They got off to a good start last year, and then things went awry for them. I'm not going to sit here today and pick them to win the Pac-12, but I think they'll be an improved team this year, and Tanner McKee will be a uh, big part of that. Good young quarterback I like on the collegiate football level. All right, they're playing the music. That means I need to exit stage left. You got your boy in the jungle, Jim Rome, coming up next on most of these CBS Sports Radio stations. I'll be back tomorrow filling in for Zach Gelb. So I'll talk to you then. Outstanding job by Tommy D producing today's show. I'll talk to you manana, everybody. Have a good rest of your Thursday.